I'm your producer, Todd Bartu, and this is Offshore Explorer. Offshore Explorer looks at the world from the sailor's point of view, port by port. Together, we share stories that detail the important intersections between sailing culture and life, past, present, and future. Coming up on today's episode, the cruising mindset versus the land mindset. What is it, and what does it take to adjust to cruising full-time? But first, let me introduce our host, a lifelong sailor who has traveled the world, raced international 14s, and crossed the Atlantic countless times. A published author who has written for both stage and screen, Mr. Scott Johnson. Yeah, hello, Todd. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. So can you tell us what do we have in store for today's episode? Well, today's episode was uh, generated through a few uh, text messages and messages on Facebook um, uh, from a couple that has uh, moved from the land to the boat, and now they want to move back to the land, and they're having a little crisis um, about moving, moving forward on their dreams. And uh, I would never criticize somebody for changing their mind or, or making a different decision about what they want to do with it or their life, because it is their life. But it brought to mind the difference between the land mindset and the cruising mindset. And moving from the land to the boat and from the boat back to the land are two pretty emotional and profound changes in the way one thinks and acts and the way one might see life. So it happens to all of us that go out cruising for a number of years. Um, and I, I, I just, it was something that we've all been through who have done it. And I just wanted to uh, share that with the, with the listeners who um, are contemplating uh, making the journey from uh, from land to cruising. Okay, great. Take it away. I got a text message a couple of weeks ago from a, a friend who had just been planning to... Uh, buy a boat, which they did, um, pack it up, sell their house, put all their belongings, whatever they were going to keep in storage, and then move across the country and move on a boat. And they bought a beautiful boat. And they've got their cruising kitty ready. They got everything set up. And they've been kind of stuck along some river somewhere in Florida. And now they've gotten to the point where they're thinking of quitting, selling the boat, and restarting their lives on land. Now, this is a, this is a disaster for them. Um, it's a kind of crushed dream. And I offered some advice about how there is a difference between being on the land and being a cruiser. And in this episode, I am talking about the cruiser mindset and the land mindset. If you can think of them like a Venn diagram, which is two circles, um, and both circles, they overlap each other. And in between the overlap is that little gray area you always see and they say in the test, go ahead and calculate the square, whatever is of that area. But anyway, it's a good, it's a good thing uh, as an illustration visually about how land life and cruising life is so different. And there is a tremendous amount of crossover. And it's about, in my opinion, um, it's about the, about the journey. And there's two ways about this journey. There is packing everything else, it's selling everything, hopping on a boat and going, and then getting off the boat and moving back onto the land and having what most people would consider a somewhat normal life. 
Now, I've done it both ways, and I've done it both ways a couple of times and in different degrees, and I'll, I'll get into doing this, but I'm really doing this for all those people that have dreamed really, really hard and taken the big steps, the most important steps of leaving their land life and moving on to a boat and beginning their cruising. It seems easy um, just to sell all your stuff and just jump on a boat and go, but uh, it's not. Um, I spoke quite a bit about this in episode two of our podcast series, Why Haven't You Left Yet? And that point of having everything prepared and then not pushing that dock, pushing the dock away and putting your fenders away and going sailing is, um, is something that's really hard for most people to do, especially because it questions their commitment. It, it sort of makes the dream different, so to speak, makes it a reality, but you know, everybody thinks they're going to be sitting in a hammock down in the Caribbean with a couple of glasses of wine or rum punch or whatever this, whatever the drink of the evening is and a great meal and watch the sunset with their feet up in the hammock and it's all going to be romance and love and warm water and turtles and rainbows and unicorns and dolphins and all that kind of stuff. Cruising life is difficult. I'm going to say it again. Cruising life is difficult. It's physically harder than you might imagine. Now let me back up a little bit and say that I think the most important thing here is that you keep your eyes open to the journey and the transitions that you're going to have to experience. Let me do just a simple transition, okay? You have this dream. I want to go cruising. So, like my friends, um, they chartered boats all over the world. They went cruising in, in Greece. They went cruising in the Caribbean. Um, they cruised uh, in Polynesia. They, they, they went, chartered a boat, and, and they're very competent sailors, and off they went. One of the things is... Um, they weren't kind of technically savvy about how to maintain a boat or, you know, take care of the engine, whatever, you know, just electrical stuff, all the nonsense that you have to go through, you know, all your sailing kit, you know, your safety kit and all the rest. And I do a little bit about talking about the safety and all of that kind of stuff um, in some of the other episodes, but mostly when I'm I'm talking about is that they get experience, you get sailing, you come home, and you and your partner say, hey, this is a life we really can do. And there's only one thing that makes the life more difficult than it should. And that is, you have a way of making an income, right? Because it's very hard. Cruising is not necessary; can be expensive, and then again, it could be relatively inexpensive if you're careful. But you're still going to need income. You're still going to need money coming in. Some people have this licked. I know a lot of people that are um, that work remotely, um, marketers, computer people, IT people, etc. They can do fairly well on their boat um, in terms of making money. Back before there was computers, um, you had to have a kind of skill. Uh, somebody who was very good, say, with sailing, with sewing sails, pardon me, um, you know, maybe doing some odd jobs, carpentry work, etc. I had a guy um, actually help me, a um, carpenter guy, who was from Boston, Massachusetts, who was cruising, and um, he helped me um, replace a section of my cap rail that uh, that I that ended up getting crushed in a um, crazy situation in Santorini where a ferry went by and I was right up against the dock and it caused so much wave at the dock. My 
my boat just sort of tilted into the stone dock and crushed a little bit of the cap rail. And that was like 2.30 in the morning. It was like, I was not expecting that. But he came out and he helped me fix it. I ended up paying him, I don't know, about eight $900 because it required a lot. He got the wood, et cetera, et cetera. And um, I helped him um, and we did it together. And, and we, I think we did a really fine job. In fact, I doubt you could ever see the, the scarf in it um, that we put. So that's a skill and that money goes straight in his pocket and he's good on eight, 900 bucks for a month or two, maybe more. Some people go cruising after they've retired. So they get the retirement fund, um, you know, and, and unemployment or whatever the case may be. They all have that kind of stuff sitting out there and they can go cruising. And that's sort of the general dream is, hey, I'm going to retire. I'm going to be in my 60s, 63, 64, 65. I'm going to hop on a boat and I'm going to go cruising. Or I'm going to live on my boat. Well, let me just dissuade that plan for just a second with a few caveats. First of all, if you've not spent a lot of time on a boat, I mean a lot of time on a boat. I'm not talking about just, you know, two to three weekends a summer. I'm talking about the entire summer. I'm talking about the fall and the summer. And you're down on the boat more than you are in your own bed. Um, because you got to get used to moving. The boat moves all the time. And when you're a little bit older, that movement can add up on you. It can make you tired. Now, I'm used to it. You can get used to it. You can get physically in shape to get used to it. But don't think for a second that it doesn't wear you down, especially if you're going on a long voyage. If you're going to be cruising, say, I'm in L.A. right now, and we're going to be cruising down to Mexico. All right? We're going to do a, like... 1200 mile cruise down and back. Okay. And that's, that's going to be, I'm going to be tired. I'm going to be physically tired from that. So if you're cruising all the time, you're going to be spending a lot of time going and stopping, recovering and going. Now, the other thing is, is your partner. You really need to have a committed partner to this dream. I don't think there's anything that tests relationships more than being on the boat. There's no escape. 24-7, you're with somebody in the size of your bathroom at home, and that's it, okay? You've got, you're spending all that time. It's great in the beginning. I lovey-dovey. Everything's going super. But then, you know, things happen. People don't feel well. Things don't... You know, there's not the pressure of, of daily life, which, you know, forces you to go out on your own and hunt and, and, and forage for food and, and, and money and, and all those things that we're so used to in the land set mind. And then when we come back with that land mindset, right, we come home, we see our partner, she's been out or he's been out um, doing the same thing. You come back. You spend a few hours, you have maybe dinner together, you watch some TV or a movie or whatever the case may be, and you're in the bed and you're sleeping, and then you wake up and you start it all over again. That's the land mindset. Everything is about paying the rent or mortgage. Everything is, you know, okay, we've got friends here, we've got friends there. Now in the cruising world, you're going to have a lot of friends, but it's a little bit different. So... You're with the same person 24-7, and you have to really understand, and you have to be honest, is that relationship going to withstand this? Because quite frankly, I've had relationships on land, couldn't do, didn't work, not at all. I've had relationships on a boat, fantastic, but brief. You know, I used to have a lot of um, chefs come in in the 20 some odd years that I was chartering I had a lot of female chefs or stewards and you know I'd end up having a relationship with one or two of them over the years and it was fun and and it was fun and it was non-committal because in their mind they were just cruising 
being on a boat for a summer or maybe a couple of years, and then they were going to go back to the real world. It's almost like being in the military in a sense. You know, it's that whole world that's out there that you're in the military and you have, and that's just it, you know. And then you go home, right? And when you get home, you sort of get smaller, and then you become this land person, this land lover, okay? And that's where you stay, and that's how the rest of your life goes. But there is a transition process, and I'm going to talk a little bit about that right now. The first thing you have to look at is, for one, will my relationship handle this? And you both have to be aware of what is going to affect it. First is going to be, this isn't all going to be rosy. There's going to be a lot of hard work. There's going to be a lot of learning things that necessarily are not in your skill set. Like I had a friend who was, he was a, um, uh, an architect and he was a draftsman. And he was, you know, he's wonderful at drawing stuff. And he was fairly technically minded. But his electricity system, his electrical, everything was so screwed up on his boat because he was sitting there reading a book and trying to figure it out. And his brain could not get around electricity. He could not. And then I've had people come in and they go, oh, yeah, well, you go just connect this to this, to this, to this, the hand bone, to the knee bone, to the thigh bone, to the hip bone. And then boom, there you go. Everything works. So this is what I'm talking about. The pressure that one partner puts on the other partner to know certain skills. Now, a lot of people that get ready to go from land to cruising, from land to cruising, they don't learn everything. In other words, always teach your partner everything that they can handle the boat. They can dock the boat. You can do their job. You have to show them. your. If you're the most experienced sailor, which in many cases, this is the case. The man, quote unquote, you know, misogynistically, um, the captain, and he's going to steer the boat. And all the hard work is done by the wife. And I've seen more relationships fall by the wayside, okay? Um, the wife just says, you know, it's either me or the boat, okay? And then the guy has to make a decision. So the most important thing that I can say is really train each other. You know, let let your wife, your girlfriend, or whoever your partner going sailing is, let them dock the boat. Let them, you know, put the boat in the slip. You know, let them start the engine. Let them, you know, pull the anchor up. Let them set the sails. Let them sail the boat. Let them have that freedom and that 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 control of running a boat. And, and you'll find that your relationship will be just wonderful after, with that because it's just, it'll be good. And if, they, if they're not good at certain things, just keep working at it. You're going to cruise, they've got to have it. They have to know safety. They have to talk on the radio. They have to, you know, figure all this kind of stuff out. It's, there's a lot of details, all right? The wife isn't just going to go down and cook and clean and wash the dishes while you sit up in the cockpit, okay, and drink a beer. If you think that's kind of what's going to happen, if that's what you do when you're on the land, when you get on the water, that shit's changing. That ain't going to happen. That's what I'm saying. There's a different kind of mindset. You may be able to get away with it on land because your your mind is set in a different way, but you will not be able to get away with it on the sea. Because when you cruise, it's everybody helps. It's hard work. It's movement. It's physically demanding. It's mentally demanding. Because you're going from a highly structured life. Get up in the morning. Okay, at 635, I've got to be getting in the car so I can go sit in traffic. I go in the office. You know, I'm going to do this in the office. I got these phone calls to make. Next thing you know, it's five o'clock. You got a dinner with a client. Then you're, you know, it's eight o'clock. You come home. Hi, honey. Hi, kids. Whatever the case may be, pat the dog. Boom, you're done. That, and you live that life. That's how you live your life. In the cruising world, that doesn't work. Yeah, you wake up, you know, you have a cup of coffee. Maybe you drop over the side for a quick swim to kind of wake you up. Um, you know, you get in some exercise, you come back, you rinse off with some fresh water, have another cup of coffee, maybe a, 
a little breakfast, whatever the case may be. By this time, it's like 10 or 11. It's a little hot. You're, you know, planning on what should we do today. Um, you know, there's maintenance to be done. So, yeah, okay. You know, they used to say the old Caribbean rule was is you do three things. You do three things a day. One is getting up. Two is going to bed. And you have one other thing throughout the whole day that you can do. And it's kind of a joke, but the longer you are sitting on a boat, like in the Caribbean, and I've been down there for, I'm talking close to 20 years, you kind of get into this kind of habit. And it's a real hard habit. It's called laziness. You're like, oh, yeah, I'll get to that. You know, it's 10 o'clock, I'll have a beer. Because the heat, the sun, the whole atmosphere, you could drink beer at 10 o'clock and you won't be drunk. You could, you could drink beer all day and you won't get drunk. At least that's what the case was with me. And I had seen, and I, I also as a kind of a warning, I have seen people come down from, sail down the East Coast, come out to the Caribbean and sit there and, you know, they're not drinking like hardcore drinkers. You know, they're having some beer. Hey, let's have some wine. Let's do this. Let's do that. And the next thing you know, they become very dehydrated. And they're not drinking enough water. And they're working because you're always sweating when it's, you know, it's most boats, most sailboats that you're going to have are not going to have air conditioning. So you're going to be very much a part of the whole um, climate. And it will take time for you to acclimatize yourself. Now, I know my friends down in, in, in Florida, I think that's also a problem for them too, is acclimatizing themselves because it's, they came from Southern California where it's extremely dry and the places that they've sailed, like Greece is dry. Um, the Caribbean is relatively dry, but you know, South Florida is rain, 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 rain and bugs, a lot of bugs. And you know, in the Caribbean, you don't get, um, if you're in the leeward side of an island, you usually don't get that many bugs. If the wind stops, you know, mosquitoes will come out from the island and, and kind of drive you crazy. But for the most part, um, there's very few bugs that are going to bother you where you're in the Caribbean. Unless, of course, you're down into some mangrove swamps and things like that. But for the most part, most of the anchorages, it's pretty, pretty, pretty cool. So you have this sort of difficulty of physically transitioning from your land life to physically um, changing your body to your sailing life. And there's the training aspect. There's the, there's the aspect with your partner and how that's going to work out. Because, you know, I can tell you, I've, I've seen hundreds of guys have a partner come down. The girls all think, oh, this is great this is fun. I'm going to, and then they find out it's like really hard work and they start thinking about the future. What are we going to do in the future? Where are we going to go? How are we going to make money? And you know, the whole, what they, I call the monkey brain gets started and it starts driving people crazy. And this is, if you think of the Venn diagram, when, when the two circles intersect, okay, that space in there, I would put the monkey brain in that as a, as a culprit for why people don't make the transition from a land set, land mindset to a cruising mindset. Because I'll tell you, once you get to a cruising mindset, you can be very preoccupied with things like what are we going to do next month or where are we going to go, but it's not, it doesn't have the same sort of urgency or it doesn't feel as critical as it would in the land mindset. It's just like, I have some friends that are crossing, okay? They're going to be in Antigua. Um, but they should be there when this broadcast comes out, probably December 10th, okay? They, they left um, Greece, sailed across the Mediterranean. They got out of um, Gibraltar, where it was just beginning to turn fall, okay? And then they headed south. They went down to um, the Canary Islands, um, they enjoyed themselves in the Canary Islands, and then made. they're making a beautiful passage across. Uh, they come on every once in a while. I see a note from them 
a message from them that they're doing fine. They're just cruising along, you know, at uh, seven and a half, eight, ten knots, depending, downwind. Um, they got their, you know, their spinnaker out and they're just flowing along. This is, that's a great part. That's the dream part. And they'll be in Antigua for the Antigua um, charter boat show. They'll get their boat all fixed up and everything, and they'll do the show. Um, I know they have a charter for after Christmas, the week after Christmas, and they'll do one for New Year's, and then they begin the whole season um, in the Caribbean. Now, that's if you're, if you're chartering. If you're just cruising, you're just going to say, okay, let's leave Europe because Europe is cold. And... We'll sail down. We'll hang around the Caribbean for the winter. We'll go to a few islands that we like. Um, we'll eat, fish, swim, do whatever we have to. A lot of people will go to um, St. Thomas because they can hop on a plane easily in St. Thomas, fly back to the States, especially to Miami, do business. That happens a lot. You have to do, you know, sometimes you have to go home and do some business and just that another thing. But the contrast of going home from having this, this ability to sort of in, in, in become a part of the whole cruising lifestyle, because you will see people when you're out there that have been out for a long time, that have been cruising for years, and you'll know them right away. They have a savoir-faire that is just magnificent and beautiful and just super, super nice. And you'll see that, you'll get that, and, and you'll go, you'll start to admire that. The hierarchy um, on the sea in terms of cruising and, and captains and this, that, and other thing is people who are cruising with their own kitty are at the top of the pyramid as far as I'm concerned. The next are people who are cruising, but they're also chartering to help fund their kitty. And that would be the next level. And then after that, you have your captains of mega yachts, your crew for every bit that's going here and there that are jumping on this boat, jumping on that boat. And then very much, very much down at the bottom are the racers. You know, you have your international guys who, you know, show up in Antigua and race or, you know, they show up in Australia and race and all the rest of this kind of stuff. But they're just using the boat as sort of a go-kart. You know, they're just, that's, they come, they race, they leave, they go home to their house. Now, there are some skippers that stay with the boats, the race boats, but that's a whole different business. That's not what I'm talking about in terms of you cruising and going and exploring the world. I'll get into more detail in other podcasts about how one um, manages the boat and themselves in foreign countries. I've, I've talked about it a little bit. Um, in my piece on uh, Sicily and uh, my piece in Simi. But needless to say, I'm trying to figure out the best way to do the mindset from land mindset to cruising. Because the land mindset, as I said, is, you know, very pedantic, okay? It's very task-oriented, and it's very time-oriented. The clock runs your life. Cruising, not so much. No time really, um, no pressure, can be put off to the next day, but it does take a certain amount of discipline and hard work. Cleaning your boat regularly, you know, um, food, you know, going and getting stuff, it's different, you know. You can't, you have to go carry all the stuff. I mean, I can remember um, going to... Um, uh, Joost van Dyke, and there's a this lovely woman, I can't remember her name right now, who has a um, an ice house up the hill from um, uh, from Foxy's. So you go up the street, so it's a main street. If you've been there, you know exactly where I'm talking about. You go all the way up to the hill, you get up there, and you can buy ice from her, you know. You make sure you close the gate because she doesn't want her chickens to get out. And we pick that, we'll pick up those, you know, bags of ice, you know, they could be frozen blocks. And by the time you get back to the boat, it's such a long way and it's so hot. Like, you know, you buy two, you get one. It melts along the way. <laughs> it's like, but that's just the way it is. You know, you you find places where you can get bread. 
you 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 learn how you know to cook or buy stuff that's you know indigenous this is what the people are eating you know here's this is the chicken you know i used to buy um, boxes of frozen chicken wings um they came from guiana and um i used to they, they'd be solid frozen i'd throw them in the oven put barbecue sauce on them and cook them up just let them sit in there until they just were just so well done that the meat would just fall off and it was it was it made for a great meal it wasn't the best meal i mean it's not epicurean by any stretch of the imagination you know but it went along pretty good nice salad done some chicken wings done but this is kind of what the local people are eating so that's how you buy that you have to change your diet in that that's what cruisers do they change their stuff you know they're not you know having a giant turkey dinner on thanksgiving you know because most of the world doesn't have turkeys um you know maybe they have a ham ham you can get ham you know but there's a lot of things that you have to change and that's what cruisers are good at they're good at adapting and and realizing every time that they go through a process a journey however uh, small it is it is important that they keep you know they keep their mind open and their their body full and ready to go and flexible and keep moving forward now my friends that are ready to sell their boat and give up their their whole lifestyle they haven't gotten to that point yet they haven't learned that the flexibility the the anguish that they feel like they're going through right now is just temporary and the best way you change that is you take that boat and you move it you get into a different climate you do what you're supposed to do, okay? That's how you move out of that little intersection between the two circles of the mindset of the land person and the mindset of the cruising person. You almost have to force yourself to get into the cruising set of mind because you're going to get bogged down and you're going to come up with a lot of excuses. You're going to say, well, we really haven't practiced docking the boat. Who cares? You put the pointy end in. Okay, it may not look pretty when you get there, but that's what you do. Don't worry about that part. Don't let that keep you on the dock and freak you out so you, you're going to sell your boat. No, pull that boat out. Get out of that environment. The reason a lot of boats are where they are today is because the previous owners got stuck in that environment. And they're never going to get out. So they leave the boat because they just don't have that one little push to get them over. And I hope that this podcast gives you that little bit of push to just say, screw it, let's pack it up, let's go. Okay, even if, even if you sail a couple of hundred miles or you do a day sail somewhere, just go there. I had some friends here in, in Marina del Rey who were suffering from the same thing. They ended up they going out to Catalina, and they said, hey, Scott, what do you want to do? We're gonna th we're thinking about going. Maybe I said go to Mexico. You don't have to come back here. Don't come back here. Just go south. Go 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 go. Stop in San Diego. Get yourself some more food, and then keep on going. And we get our passports. I guess we could do it. I, I go. They go and they went. They're the happiest people. They're in La Paz now. They're the happiest people in the world. They always say, thank you for telling us to go. We just, we couldn't get our mind into that, we're going to be cruisers. We're going to be sailors. We're going to go explore the world. And now they're having some of the most amazing stuff. They, they told me about this great, great restaurant that they were in in Alcapoco, for example. And, and they were telling us about this giant fish that they put out. And they didn't know the name of the fish, but it was delicious. And it was covered in peppers and was cooked in a brick oven and you know the fish probably weighed close to 80 pounds and and it was just this and 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 all their experience it's the experience right and they get all of this experience and they just it's it's currency and it's currency you spend on being a traveler that experience is your currency and you keep going and you keep going and you keep going and you gain more currency and you learn more things you know, I posted a bunch of pictures um, on my Facebook site about uh, sailing in the Dow. 
which is a lanteen sail. And I got a couple of people, I had a lot of people actually say, wow, I've never seen this. But if you're in the Indian Ocean, you could see it. You could see thousands of them. It's like you... It's like seeing a schooner here. Everybody sees schooners here, right? Or a sloop. Everybody sees sloops here. This is a very kind of Western concept, these kinds of boats, okay? The rest of the world has different concepts of what they think of cruising is. And this is the important thing. This is, what you, this is where the dream becomes a reality because it'll never be the dream. It'll be a reality that has a romance attached to it and is colored but it's also very, very hard work. It requires fortitude and a stick-to-itiveness. Um, is a lot of frustration, but you'll have more moments of pure joy than you would ever have if you stayed on land. And that's what the cruising world does. I am just, I'm 100%, just go. Don't talk to me about, oh yeah, you make it sound, as some people said, I make it sound a lot easier than it really is. Well, you know what? That's somebody who, who hasn't left yet. You know, thanks. You turn out the light when you leave. So then the other direction, which is to go from the cruising world back to the land world. And let me tell you, this is as equally as hard as anything you could do. I have some very good friends. She's uh, Greta is uh, German. She's from Baden-Baden, and Steve is Yugoslavian. And um, he, they're they're older. They're very they're in their nineties, and they have been cruising all their life. And Steve was a, a rally car driver, very famous rally car driver back. Um, in the uh, 50s and early 60s. He drove for Mercedes-Benz. He's a great character, great, handsome. You could see that he was a very handsome man when he was young and dashing and had plenty of money. And Greta was a model. She was from Baden-Baden in Germany, and she was a model. And she fell in love in Paris with this race car driver. I mean, does it get any better than that? No, I don't think so. And so they had this romantic relationship, and then they, they bought a house, their house. They have a small house in Central Bay. And, but they don't go there very often because they, they have, anyway, it's a, they, their kids actually are there. And they, they don't like being with their kids. They like, they like sailing. They were in the Grenadines for years, and just a wonderful, wonderful two people. But their kids convinced them that they had to get off the boat. They had to move on land because Steve was having some medical problems. They said, yeah, it's just going to be better. But Steve's very, he's a knucklehead like me. I'm very belligerent and a donkey head. And um, he's the same way. So we keep pushing and we keep pushing. And then sometimes we have to go back to land. And they went back to land. And they got an apartment in a 20-story building in uh, Miami. And it was a beautiful apartment, absolutely good. I was there. It was an absolutely gorgeous apartment. But over the sink was a small window, and that window was always open. And Greta's just talking to me, and she's doing the dish. We just had a lovely dinner, and she's doing the dishes, and she's taking the, the leftover food and the plate and putting her arm out the window and tapping it. And then, you know, it was ribs, and the ribs would just go fall down 10 stories down into the pool area of this um, of this apartment and she's just talking and it's just second nature she's just doing this and she's just doing it and I'm standing there and we're all laughing because she doesn't understand what she's doing but for years when she uh, was cleaning up on the boat she would take the leftovers and rather than putting them in the garbage and keeping them on the boat she would just stick her plate out the window at the porthole tap it on the side the food would fall off and the fish would eat the food beautiful environmentally sound and there would be nothing left nothing left of the bones either barracuda would come and all that time she's on in this 10-story beautiful apartment building she's knocking food out the window and we went outside on the way home and looked up at their apartment. And you could see that there was like gravy 
and and tomato and sauce and all kinds of stuff that had been just that fell on the side of the wind the building and they were in the bushes there were piles of bones and stuff like that that illustrates the difficulty because once you become a cruiser once you become that sailor once you become that traveler coming back to land and taking on the responsibility of the house of the management of the job and i mean a lot of us have to do that i mean I worked professionally as a skipper for so many years, and um, I had a dream, which was writing movies and screenplays, and that's exactly what I did. So I decided to give up, and it took me nearly seven years to give up being on the boat for the circumstance to occur that I could come back, and I came back to LA, and I became a screenwriter, and I wrote many, many, many movies, and I've had quite a few of those movies done. And I did that while living on a boat. I did that while running and owning Vessel Assist out of Marina Del Rey. And, you know, learning, keep learning about sailing, keep doing this. I did a lot of deliveries and stuff. I couldn't get it out of my system. I just had, this was me. I had to be on the boat. But I was also writing. And my writing became bigger my business in terms of writing and producing became more and more and more. Then I had to devote more time to it. My production company grew. We had more television shows to do and films to work on. And, um, you know, I fell in love with a very, very beautiful woman who is not a boat person, but a beautiful singer, a music person, Paulette McWilliams, which you should all go and buy her record. Um, it's absolutely beautiful, and you probably know her voice. She's very famous for singing with um, Luther Vandross and Marvin Gaye, and gosh, just name the person she's sung with them. And her new album is, is equally as gorgeous as you could possibly get, and I'm sure it would be very rewarding for you to, to listen to it. It's doing very well for us. But it's amazing that the transition of trying for me, I mean, I'm still have one foot in a boat after 40 some years of being on a boat. I still have one foot, you know, in the canoe, so to speak, and one foot on land. And I find it very difficult at times. You know, I find it baffling that when I go to a grocery store that, you know, I'm not buying, you know, $800 worth of groceries to put in the refrigerator. I don't need to. I can go every day to the grocery store if I want. It's right there. I'm not moving my my house anywhere. It's right here. So that's a different kind of thing, but it's a mental gymnastics that you have to go through. So my friends that and my other friends and all you listeners out there that have been so generous with your time for me, um, I just want to say that, you know, if you are, want to attain that cruising mind, that sailing mind, that, that freedom that you per, are projecting from your land mind, know that it's different. And don't let it disappoint you when you get there that it is different because it's actually better than what you think it is. That projection is, is just stuff of pictures, it's stories, it's this, it's that. It's all sorts of stuff that you make up in your own head. But when you get on a boat and you begin sailing, look, most of the time when you're sailing, it's not big storms and, and, and difficulties and hurricanes. And, you know, it's not that. It's not sailing. Gentle winds blowing. Um cruising along at a nice six, seven knot pace, um, having, you know, to get from point A to point B, spending time navigating, listening to music, reading books, adjusting sails, thinking about where the, you know, your next meal is going to come from, or, hey, do you think we could find some fresh lobster if we go diving or snorkeling or whatever the case may be? You know, you've got the fishing pole out the back. It's, it's not a competition anymore. Life is not a competition in that regard. Life is, being, is to be lived, is to be, is to be 
enjoyed. It's to be, it's like, it's succulent. It's like lay in the juices of life. You know, that's what cruising does. You lay in the juices of life. Where in the land mindset, you're, you, you have no time. It's go, 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 go. That's the difference. So in conclusion, and I know I kind of rambled a bit, and I thank you all for listening. Um, I could go on and on about this subject and some of the stories of people making adjustments and some of the people who've made no adjustments whatsoever. I mean, I've seen people come and think they were going to be successful at doing uh, the charter business and they apply all the things that they know from the land and they end up failing miserably because it's just too much hard work for them. And But it's all in their head. They don't get it. They don't get what cruising is about. So mindset of the land, although it's great, and it's something we all do, and we all learn how to live with it, and we all do learn how to enjoy it at times, versus the cruising mindset, which is more or less, as I said, sort of laying in the juices of life, experiencing things, eating well, um, but it's hard work. It's much harder work than you would think on land. It's, I, I, I say cruising is harder than being on land, to be honest. Physically harding, harder. Mentally, a little bit harder. Okay? But it's still, the value of it, what you gain from it is still tremendous. And it's very rewarding. And it's a good way to spend your life. And that because we only have a finite amount of time, but it's a great way to learn, experience, and savor. So, to my friends out there that put their boat up for sale, I would ask you to rethink your position. It's okay to change because nobody cares. Just rechange your position, change the boat, go to a different place, reevaluate your situation. Maybe change everything and I mean you know I've seen people change partners and find the right partner if they didn't have the right partner in the beginning and you know I've seen people stick with the same partner and you know give up the boat and I've seen you know a lot of it is all personal so anyway I wish them and I wish all of you who are cruising the best of luck and understand that you're in the journey your mindset is going to change and you can't compare it to the land mindset. It's the cruising mindset. That's where you've got to go. Thanks for sharing, Scott. That was an interesting story. I think that Hopefully, a lot of people learn something about adjusting their mindset to being in a new location. Uh, you, what you're talking about, just keeping the boat in the harbor and not going out, just reminds me about the saying about how you know cars are meant to be driven, boats are meant to be sailed. Just having them sitting around doing nothing, it doesn't really do them a service, you know? Yeah, I've been criticized for saying it's uh, it's 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 easy for me to say, yeah, just leave. Um, I know a couple of uh, people have mentioned that when I had the piece about uh, sailing to Bermuda, and I said, yeah, you just go. You know, you can go. It's not far. It's five six days uh, from anywhere on the East Coast, essentially. And um, you know, just go, stop, turn around, come back if you want. It's no big deal. And um, everybody was just like completely freaked out. And your freaked outedness, you know, comes from that wariness of, of what am I, am I prepared or unprepared? And the essential part about cruising and sailing is you're prepared through experience, not through book learning or anything else like that, but you're prepared through experience. And you can't get the experience unless you do it. It's sort of like, you know, jumping off a cliff into a pool. You, you have to jump to experience it and get wet. Yeah. I guess, the like they say, the, the hardest part of any journey is deciding to go. 
it's the first step, always the first step. Yeah. And once you make that first step, you know, it's the next step, but it doesn't actually get any easier. And this is what I try to get across in the show. And I know a lot of people who have done this, um, they, they fail to evolve when they get cruising and, um, you know, they, they sort of close themselves in, they end up not enjoying it as much as they, they should. Me, I'm like, where's the best restaurants? Where's the local restaurants? You know, and I go from there. <laughs> it's like, and I get, I meet people, you know, and just talk to people and go see shit. Just do stuff. Yeah, you know? it's, it's like the experience whenever you visit a new city and you step outside your hotel or where, your Airbnb or wherever you're staying and you're like, okay, now where am I? And you're, you kind of have that yeah. moment of disorientation but if you just step out and go, that that fades in the past, you know, like, yep, it, it fades exactly. Very quickly. Um, yeah. So it's all about engagement. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. So what do we have planned for next week's episode? Uh, next week, I'm going to do um, tell a story about uh, Marbella, Spain. Um, it's an interesting place. It has a lot of interesting uh, characteristics. Um, and I, I spent the millennium there in 2000, uh, in 2000 and, um, everybody was awaiting disaster. Um, we, um, we were just drinking and eating paella. So it's a story about, uh, kind of watching people nervously figure all their money's going to disappear because of computer problems, but it's a funny story. So we'll let it go with that. Thank you for tuning in. If you like this episode, be sure to leave us a review. You can find past episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can find us on Facebook and at offshoreexplorer.org. Our theme song is sung by Paulette McWilliams with additional music by Amano Itomi and Tommy Twain. Until next time, fair winds and calm seas.